0: This is the Janet Killeen Books Podcast. I am reading from my collection of short stories, There Is a Season. This story is called A Gentle Ghost. I saw a weary, bareheaded man. His hair rimed with salt and sand, reddened eyes, and the bones around them rigid, staring sockets. He clutched a rifle, thin young shoulders hunched beneath a pack. As he turned to me, others like him sprang into focus, clustering and seething on the dunes. "'trailing in draggled lines into water that rose to knees, groin, waist, shoulders, "'as boats came inshore, and a stench of burning oil. "'The sound of gunfire, broken cries and shouts, blast and water-spouts of shells. Droning, screaming aircraft overhead. "'Doreen!' he stared at me, threw me to a place I could not see. Doreen? Then a plane dived and howled, spitting through sand and flesh along the arc of the beach. I thought absurdly of her singer-machine, the seam flowing between her fluent fingers, as the bullet sewed him neatly in scarlet thread diagonally across his chest. He fell back, his mouth still open with his question before he turned to nuzzle into the breast of the dune. But the sand beneath my feet was not red. Nor was the drifting tide clogged with lumpen bodies floating waterlogged in fouled water. Instead, the sounds of playing children, light, dazzling and flickering on the sea, a May half-term day trip on the Sally Line, and I had wandered alone after lunch to the northern beach. Dazed, I turned back slowly to the town. Much later, I leaned over the stern of the boat as we travelled back to Ramsgate. The bag of wine, the cheese and sauces lay at my feet unheeded. I stared into the ship's long wake, looking into turbulence that stretched far back into the distance of departure. An unimaginable connection of place and time. I had lived within a more intense vision, sharpened in every sense to smell and hear and see than I had ever known. Only touch. That element of what we call reality had eluded me. Friends called me to join them at the bar, jostled me to catch the train from Ramsgate to Waterloo, propelled me home. Too much sun, they teased, or too much vino. I stayed awake, searching the semi-dark of a London night for meaning. In the morning I caught a train to Leeds, pushing blindly through the queues at King's Cross to buy the ticket, and only then, as I sat on the train, gathered into the lap of my thoughts the fragments that I half knew, half understood. The train's familiar judder took me nearer to her, as I had travelled so many times before, but never like this, never stretched in my mind with questions and uncertainties. She had always been Nan, as close as my mother would have been had she lived, and I had never thought to ask. Strangely, the one feeling I lacked was fear. Whatever my meeting had been with this man, and whoever he was, he was a gentle ghost. A bus brought me to Headingley and to the terraced house of my childhood. I had not for a moment thought that she might be out. I had not even rung. In my mind, she was the one fixed point, the place of safety. I realised that like a child, my fantasy was that she would always be waiting, listening for my step and call. Nan, I called. Even as I heard her coming to the front door, "'Nan!' and then blindly wept, leaning against her as she brought me into the sitting-room. Long afterwards, as evening gathered in the room, neither of us moved. The twilight was very calm, very still, an in-between time that waited for one of us to begin to speak again. "'Ted, Ted!' she said slowly. A word from dust, thick and clotted in her mouth with disuse. Her hand flew of itself to her left breast. The New Year dance, in the village hall, she said gently. Such a pretty frock. I was just eighteen and the band playing and all of us girls shy and hopeful and scared together. The boys coming from the villages around nudging each other to ask us to dance. And he came up to me, a skinny young lad, maybe a year older, maybe not, I never knew. I just knew his first name, Ted. I didn't even know his village. We danced a bit, and then he said, Come on, let's go outside and have a fag. And he lit up, and the match showed him up, all bones and his hands shaking, even though he'd tried so hard to hide it. He was frightened. "'I'm off to-morrow,' he said. "'They're sending us out to France. "'I'm in the TA, East Yorkshire Regiment.' "'He was a bit proud, but mostly afraid, I think. "'And then he took my hand, and we went walking together and kissing a bit, you know. "'Neither was very good at it, but he was scared and desperate and excited, and... "'We got in the back of one of his friend's cars, and neither of us knew what was really happening.' No one talked about it then, you know, not even your mother told you anything. It hurt, I remember, and he said sorry sorry, and I held him until he stopped shaking, and he said Thank you thank you, Doreen, I, I won't forget you. It was the first time for him too, poor clumsy lad. And then we climbed out of the back seat and laughed a bit, embarrassed and shy now, and maybe guilty and frightened too, and we said. Goodbye. I never saw him again, never heard what happened to him, until now. Again the quietness gathered around us. She moved slowly to draw the curtains and switch on the light. Tea, I think, she said, and went out to the kitchen, returning later with tea and toast. Six weeks later, I knew something was wrong. I had to tell my mother, and she was kind. It surprised me, she said, her sister had had a baby in much the same way in the last war, only the man had come home and married her before the neighbours talked too much, and they'd moved away from the village to Leeds, and who would know in the big city? You're not the first, and you won't be the last, she said, and sent me to her sister. Wear a ring, and say he's away at the war, and wait and see. It's no one's business but yours. So I did. I went to Leeds, and my aunt and uncle were very kind to me, paying for gas and air at the nursing home and everything, and we lived round the corner in St. Chad's Rise when your mother was born, in September 1940, just when the war was hotting up. And she was a bonny, loving little thing. I waited. I had never known her. She married at twenty, and he was a nice enough man, your father, but Didn't know what to do when she died after you were born. I had some memories of him appearing and disappearing in my early childhood. Then he drifted away. You grew up to be the image of me, you know, she said, smiling. And there was again a long, safe silence between us. Forty-seven years ago, and now I know. The Dunkirk Beaches. And he thought that you were me. He was so very frightened, but not alone as he died. I'm glad of that. And then, wondering, his name will be on one of those memorials. Shiptonthorpe or Hayton, maybe. Her speech had slipped gently into the broader vowels of her childhood. He did not forget you, I said, my grandfather. Then... Forty-seven years unravelled, and she was a girl again, afraid, alone, and crying, all the griefs and all the coping years, and the tender, clumsy touch of a young man who never came home, nor knew his daughter, nor his granddaughter, but had waited for them, and that moment of recognition, in his dying. You have been listening to A Gentle Ghost from the book There Is A Season read by the author Janet Killeen and produced by Duncan P.B. For more stories, please subscribe on iTunes or from wherever you get your podcasts.